Yeah, this morning's reading is from John 13, verses 31 to 38. And this is on page 1,081. Jesus predicts Peter's denial. When he was gone, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told, I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow me now but you will follow me later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the cock crows, you dis disown me three times. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be alive. Thank you for the opportunity to be part of this service. Father, it is time to hear your word. Let your word be a blessing to us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We are looking at learning to love as Jesus does. Learning to love as Jesus does. And our text is John 13 from verses 31 to 38. But for us to have a holistic understanding of this portion, permit me very quickly to read some scattered verses. The first verse I want to read is verse 1, John 13, verse 1. Now, dear, for the feast 
Now, dear, for the feast of the Passover, when, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. Very quickly, let us look at verse number five. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was gathered. Very quickly, let us look at verse number 26. Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Let us look at verse number 30. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately, and it was night. The last verse I want to read, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. The key word in our topic is love. And the first question we've got to ask ourselves, ourselves is this. What is love? I know if I ask you to define love, you have your own understanding of the word love. Of course, there are, there are various definitions of love, ranging from biblical definition, philosophical definition, sociological definition, and all that. But we don't want to go into that. I just want to look at one particular love because of time. And that love is called agape. The love we want to look at is that agape love. This love is universal. It is defined as that unselfish love, that unconditional love, that love that is outward looking instead of inward looking. It is that sacrificial love that concerns itself with the welfare of, of others. So that is the kind of love we want to look at. And the attitude, attitude of this love is revealed in action. For you to identify this love, you've got, you've got to look at the action of the individual involved. So without action, this agape love can't be identified. So it reveals itself in love. It expresses itself in action, rather. So we want to look at how Jesus expresses or had expressed this particular agape love to the world, to humanity, and to us. First, we must understand that Jesus chooses to suffer. He chose to suffer. And we'll get, that in, we'll get that in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. 
The choice of Jesus to come into the world, to die for humanity, is the choice to suffer, to be persecuted, to be ridiculed, and to be betrayed. So it was a choice to suffer, actually. And don't forget that when Jesus, you know, conceived about his coming or his advent on earth, his coming to humanity, he never looked at how humanity was going to pay him back. In other words, the recipients of this particular love may not be in position to pay back. And that is why it is sacrificial. So when Jesus decided to come into the world, he did it sacrificially to die for humanity, for my sin and for your sin. In order to give us salvation, salvation of our souls. And then very quickly, Jesus loved the world to the end. John chapter 13, verse 1, we just read. He loved the world to the end. Of course, remember, when it was coming to the peak of Jesus' ministry on earth, he went to the, the garden of Gethsemane to pray. Why there in the garden, two humanities came into contention. The human nature of Jesus and the divine nature of Jesus. The human nature wanted Jesus to abandon the mission while he came to earth. Jesus had come to express his sacrificial love to the world. And then the human nature showed up in the Garden of Gethsemane to thwart this particular vision of Jesus Christ. And the human nature spoke and said, if it is possible, let this cup pass me by. Having seen the trauma, the travail, the betrayers, the persecution and all that, the human nature suggested to Jesus, why must you die for these people? Why don't you abandon this cause? And then immediately, the divine nature took over. And the divine nature said, no, you can't abandon this, this cause of dying for the world. You can't give up. You can't back out. You have to fulfill it. And the, hum- and the divine nature spoke, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. In other words, Jesus did not run away. He loved the world even to the end. Even to the point of dying on the cross. And then from the passage, what's to understand? When we read it from verse 1 down, he washes his disciples' feet. When I read this, I started imagining, imagining within my mind. Now Jesus knew that these disciples were going to betray him. He knew that Jesus Iscariot was going to, was going to sell him. He knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. He knew that all the disciples were going to abandon him. Yet, 
Of course, we know he's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He, he knows everything. And so, in the midst of this, he stooped low. He took upon himself the posture of a servant and washed his disciples' feet. He became a slave. Sacrificial love. Imagine you having known that you, you, you will be executed or betrayed by a friend. And the first thing that happens in the morning when you get to the office, it, the first thing that you see is that friend. How are you going to behave? Sacrificial love. So he washes his disciples' feet. We will see that in John chapter 13, verse 5, we just read. And then he heals the sick and raises the dead. During the time of Jesus' ministry, he went about doing good. Healing the sick, opening the eyes of the blind, and opening the ears of the deaf, raising the dead to life. That power is still active today. God is still healing. God is still saving. God is still raising people from death. Many people have asked me, Augustine, why are the names of your children, what, 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 what is the brain behind the names of your children? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, today I just want to share a testimony to portray this point. My second son, I named him Testimony. And what informed that name? When the mother was conceived, of that baby. When labor began, I had to rush her in my car to the hospital. Why she was, she, she was on labor for a very long time. And so I had to rush back home to get some, to put some things in place and come back. As my usual habit, when my wife is in labor, we labor together. I follow her into the labor room. So when I came, when I wanted to go into the labor room, the expert said, no, you can't call me. She's no more here. I said, what do you mean? Say she's been taken to the theater. We want to operate upon her. Thank God you just came. Could you sign this document for us so that she, can, she could be operated upon? I said, what, what is happening? They said, your baby in the womb has died. And then your wife is about to die. And she was, she's so weak that she can't push anymore. So the only option we have now is to operate upon her and bring out the dead baby. So the only prayer you should be praying is for your, life to, your wife to survive. At that moment, I started wobbling. I started fidgeting. And tears started running down my cheeks. And then before then, I have already fashioned out the name I was going to give to the child. Not that, this name. Not testimony at all. I had a different name. Why I was there in my despair, when I was there in my anguish, I prayed a little prayer to God. I said, God, I've read in your Bible about your miracles, raising the dead, healing the sick. If it is true that you are that same God, and you are still alive. 
I want you to show up in this case. The case that is already above the doctors. You are, this, you are a specialist in impossibilities. And I believe that you can do this. And I prayed that prayer and I made a vow. If you are able to bring life back to that baby to surprise the doctors, I will name that your testimony. And what does it signify? Testifying of the goodness of God. That's the meaning. Testifying of the goodness of God. I prayed that prayer. Immediately I finished that prayer. About 10 minutes later, the same doctor who broke out the bad news to me came to me and shook my hand and congratulated me and said, he has arrived. He's a baby bouncing ball. He's alive. I was like, God, so you could do this. You could show this wonderful love to me. So that is the origin of that name testimony. So you've known today. So, Jesus raised the dead. The power is still there. During his ministry, he, he did it. And he's still doing it. And then, he feeds the hungry. He feeds the hungry. John 6, when you read from verse 1 to 12, he feeds the hungry. And then, he identifies with the sinners. He never segregated. He never put on this holier-than-thou attitude. I can't identify with those people. They are sinners. No. He identified with sinners, the task collectors. He identified with them to preach the love of God to them. And then, the one that touched me, he fed his betrayer. Those who betrayed him, he fed them. Of course, from the passage we read, we could understand that why they were in that meal? Jesus had known that one, Judas Iscariot was going to betray him. And then he went on to take a piece of bread and feed that betrayer. Don't forget that Jesus has seen the picture. And then he knew that Judas Iscariot was going to use a hypocritical keys to identify him for his killers. I know that keys, a keys is a symbol of law. But in this case, Judas Iscariot hypocritically turned it into a symbol of identifying Jesus for slaughter. Jesus knew all this, and yet he fed him. What a man. What an amazing love. And then Jesus, he fed those who denied him. We know about the story of Peter. Peter, who denied Jesus, not just before a military officer, but before a little girl that was not even holding a gun. Do you know this man? Peter said, no, I don't know him. The second time, do you know this man? Peter said, I don't know him. The third time, he started swearing. I don't know him at all. 
Imagine Jesus having this picture in his mind. And yet, decided to feed them. He knew that not just deny him, Peter was going to go back to his former business. Of course, Jesus told the other, Peter told the other disciples, I'm going back to fishing. If you remember about the second commissioning, Jesus had to go back to meet them. Where they were fishing. Do you love me more than this? That was the second commission. So all of them, they abandoned Jesus. Right? Jesus had this picture. But yet, he went on to feed those who deny him. We must understand that the love that Jesus demonstrates is certainly not based on the merit of the recipients. And this is the kind of love Jesus commands us to give to others. Unconditional love. And how do we express this love? One, by helping when it is, by helping when it is not convenient. If you are looking for a convenient time to do that, which is good, you won't have it. A convenient time, where will it be? The eternity, you won't have it. Trust me. So you must help even when it is not convenient. You must show love to others even when it is not convenient. And that is the mind of Christ. Number two, by giving when it hurts. Do you know how it hurts for you to release your, your only begotten son to die? To identify with sinful humanity. A man without no sin. Do you know how it hurts? It touches the heart of God. So, if you must express agape love, you must know that in doing that, it hurts. But there's a far greater reward for us than the present inconveniences we are going to go through. Number three, we must practice forgiveness and compassion with others. We must identify those that are weak among us. And then we must practice forgiveness of sins. We must understand that nobody is perfect. We must understand that to err is human, but to forgive is divine. Sometimes it, it twists me in my imagination when I hear of people having the diary of the wrongs that somebody has done to them in the ages past. Diaries that be kept since when King Harry the Great was alive. Wrongs, dates, and all that. What are you doing with that? Forgive and forget. To, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and later discover that the prisoner was you. Unforgiveness does a great harm in the heart where it is nursed than the vessel where it is poured. You are the one in prison. Why not free yourself? 
So we must practice forgiveness and compassion with others. Lastly, we must show kindness to others. We must be kind in our spoken words, in our actions, in everything we do. We must be kind-hearted. That is the only way that you can be identified as a child of God. The fruits that you bear, the fruits of love that we bear, are very important in identifying this agape love in our life. May God bless this word in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.